This podcast is brought to you by Online Retailer, Australia's leading retail tech conference, expo and networking organisation. Recorded at the Online Retailer Conference in 2016, here we chat with world-class digital leaders to bring you industry insights, practical examples and actionable ideas from our incredible community of retail renegades, marketing masters and creative entrepreneurs who all want to do retail business big. We want to extend the conversation after the event and to keep exploring where the future meets retail. So let's talk shop. Hi, and welcome to the Online Retailer Podcast. I'm Kylie Lewis, and in this episode, I have the great delight of speaking with Brendan Sweeney, who is the Group General Manager of e-commerce for the Cotton On Group. Welcome, Brendan. Thanks, Carly. Great to see you. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Um, I'm so excited to talk with you. Cotton On has probably been one of the most dynamic retailers that Australia has seen in the last 10, 20 years. How long has the group been going on now? Oh, we're 25 years old. This 25 year. years old. There yeah. we go. Yeah. Um, and they've just gone from strength to strength um, over that period of time and is now you know, in so many different um, locations with different brands and those locations actually extend overseas and that's what we're here to talk with you about today um, about actually the international expansion and how to go about working out which markets make sense to to go into but before we jump into that um, I'd just like to have a bit of a chat about you and who who you are and what you actually do at Cotton On and also how you got to, to get there. Sure um, so my, my background um, uh, Irish, as you can pretty tell by the accents, um, and uh, I mainly worked in the UK with a couple of little stints in the US. I came to Australia four years ago um, to run multi-channel for, for the Coles Group and, and look after their, their loyalty programs. Um, so I've got about 14 years experience in the online world. I, I was lucky enough to be um, part of the original uh, creation of JohnLewis.com in, in the UK. Uh, and then I spent about six years in, in telco uh, at the time when uh, smartphone adoption and mobile was coming through and uh, you know UK had the highest rate of adoption in, in that space as well. Um, so kind of with that background, I came out to Australia. Um, my, my wife is Australian, which is a big part of the reason we're out here, but uh, we're, we're sort of happily settled out here now. Um, and, you know, why did I join Cotton On? Really two key reasons. Um, one, um, I, I think the business has unlimited growth potential. Um, you know, both across all the brands, and uh, yes, we're a great international success story. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of the world that we're not in today. So uh, um, you know, a, a big part of it is the unlimited growth potential, uh, and in particularly in the online world, uh, you know, Cotton On's been a fantastic physical retail growth story. Um, but what many people don't realise is we we actually only built our first website four years ago. Mm. Yeah. A relatively late coming to a very late that. coming mm. um you know which you know, is great from an opportunity perspective um but 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 equally you know we, we are playing catch-up and uh, you know and and you know we're, we're we're still expanding very rapidly globally um in the physical footprint at the same time that we're playing catch-up online so tons of growth opportunities um and and the other key reason is uh, you know it, the culture of the business is fantastic you know, lots of businesses talk about culture. Uh, this is the only business I've ever worked in where, uh, you know, the, the, the talk and the behavior actually match each other. Uh, you know, it's a privately owned business that really cares about its people and cares about making a difference. Uh, you know, we've got Cotton On Foundation, which is doing everything from, um, you know, AIDS testing, providing water, building schools, uh, you know, safe maternity wards, uh, you know, all across South Africa, 
Uganda, Namibia, uh, as well as helping locally in Australia. So you know the business is yeah, it's it's a great retailer, but it's more than just a retailer. It, you know, it's really passionate about a you know, positive social impact. Mm, fantastic. So your role at Cotton On as um as head of e-commerce, what what does that in- involve for you on a day to day basis? Yeah. So essentially, um, my, my role is make, making sure that um, we've got a clear strategy on on where we're taking the business from from an e-com point of view. Um, and and when we talk e-com, we're really talking, you know, what do you call it, multi-channel or omni-channel? You know, we're, we're talking about, uh, you know, the, uh, how customers connect with us uh, and 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 choose to shop with us you know, wherever and whenever they are. So you know, the first part of it is, um, you know, clear strategy for the group that we have alignment across all countries and all brands in terms of the direction that we're going in. Um, and then the second part of it really is is uh, building the capability across the business to to, to be able to deliver that. Um, so you know. We, we've only really been taking e-commerce very seriously for the last two years. So actually quite a lot of what we're doing is building capability internally across all the areas from digital marketing to CRM to digital customer experience uh, and also building out uh, yeah, how we better deliver multi-channel experiences across our stores. Mm. Yeah, so that whole in-store experience, online experience, marrying those two things together, ongoing you know, pain point management issues for, for people in your role at the, at, at the moment. Um, it's always hard to kind of prove the, the link between the two things. How are you going in doing that? Yeah, we're, 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 uh, we're at quite an early stage, but we're, we're making good progress. So uh, at, at the moment, we're, we're rolling out across, across our stores, um, order in store, deliver to your door. Yeah. So we want to make sure if somebody comes into our store um, and that for any reason, if we haven't got the product they want in stock, then you know, we, 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 we don't lose that sale and that we build some brand equity in that experience. So that, that, that's rolling out at the moment and, and you know, that, that's a really nice customer experience um, that just makes sure that you know, we can either fulfill it from neighborhood stock or, or if it suits the customer better, we can just deliver straight to their, their, their door. And, you know, so that, that, that's going out. And then um, later on this year, we're, we're going to roll out some trials of, uh, of click and collect and click and reserve. Because again, we know you know customers are busy. Um, you know we get quite quite regular calls into our customer service calls and what just wanting to check have you got the product in the color and size I want before I make the effort to go to your store. Mm-hmm. And so if we can find a, a, a way to solve that digitally, uh, you know again it just uh, you know enhances the customer experience, gives them a, a reason to go with certainty to to, to, to one of our stores. Mm. And. With such a fast growth company and technology moving so fast, it, you know everything feels like it's just constantly in flux. Um, I think uh, I've, I've heard you talk about um, your website platform and your technology, and still only being four years old, already having gone through a replatforming scenario. Is that right? Yes, that's right. I mean, uh, originally, um, you know, when, when we started off, I think uh, a couple of guys in, in in marketing department knocked together a website over the weekend, um, you know, and then we're quite surprised uh, how 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 much demand we got, and, and I think concluded that this this internet thing might actually catch on. Um, so then, uh, you know, given that we we wanted solutions that we could roll quickly across multiple countries and multiple brands, uh, we we made the decision uh, about two years ago to replatform onto Demandware. Um, and since then, over the last 18 months, we've launched uh, 11 websites in seven countries. Um, so yeah, that, that platform choice and the fact that it, it is cloud hosted uh, just was quite an important enabler in terms of our, our ability to, to sort of grow quickly and, and, uh, and cater for multiple brands and, and multiple countries. Mm. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about um, expanding into different countries and global growth. 
you've obviously got a lot of experience that you bring to the Cotton On Group, having worked in different organisations and different industries around the, around the globe. So where do you start? If you were interested in taking your business offshore, you, you've kind of you know perhaps got saturation where you are or you want to go deeper into your niche, but overseas, where, what advice would you give to retailers that are looking to, to think about doing that? I think the first thing is to actually do a bit of work understanding the markets um, and, and in particular, not just looking at you know, how big is the market because you know, straight away you'll, you'll come to a conclusion that you need to put all your effort into China and the US. Um, but but you know, I think what's really important is to understand uh, you know, is there actually a demand for your brand in those markets? And, and you can tell that from you know, are you getting overseas traffic to your websites? Or you know, are you getting Google searches in those markets? Or if there's marketplaces in those markets, are you on their their whitelist? You know, so for you know, because if people don't know your brand and there isn't a demand, then it, you're you're climbing up quite a steep hill, uh, and quite often you know, customer acquisition costs in those markets can be extremely expensive. So I kind of start with, you know, are there people out there who are already looking for you? And if 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 they are, then that's great. Then then I think you need to understand. So, customer acquisition costs, because I see a lot of people getting tripped up because they can vary enormously by market. So, you know, even in our space of, of apparel, um, you know, the same sort of search terms in the US cost up to twice what they do in Australia. Yeah. And equally, you know, some of the less competed markets like Latin America and parts of Southeast Asia, it's actually really good value. Yeah. So, so I think, again, it's, it's important to understand that. Um, and then, you know, it, it's really, really important to kind of, you know, don't assume anything about what the PL is going to look like. You know, just go and test everything. So even things like returns rates in Germany in apparel, returns rates can be north of fifty percent. Yeah, which is you know radically affecting your your your, your business case. Um, and and I think you know once you narrow down the markets you, you need to understand who's doing well and why. Who's not doing well and why uh, and just really think about is your proposition in line with the marketplace. And, and, and even if you're going to serve, you know, the, the market initially sort of cross-border, you still need your proposition to make sense. You know, you, you can't penalize the customer for the fact that you've got you know, expensive international shipping rates. You, you, that, that's your choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so making sure that you understand, you know, payment sites, shipping rates, just what, what the market expects, you know, I think is, is really, really key. Um, and, and particularly in some emerging markets, you know, you take things like um, Indonesia and Malaysia, still a really high percentage of cash on delivery. Um, you know, so Indonesia, I think, is 80% cash on delivery. So that, that, that one's extremely hard to, to sort of serve from a, a cross-border point of view. Uh, and, and you really need to figure out if you're going to serve it locally, um, you know, how, how do you handle cash on delivery? Mm, yeah. So with that, is there some things that you've learned along the way about how to test getting into a market before you actually go in all guns blazing? Yeah, so I, I, I think we pretty have the advantage of given that we're playing catch up, because in, in, in the physical world, we have almost 1500 stores in 17 countries now. Yeah, so, uh, you know, the, 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 the easy route for us is to, is to piggyback on the countries that we already have stores in because we've got stock on the ground and we've got brand presence and we've got quite a low cost way of recruiting customers through our stores. Um, so we've just been you know, picking up the priority markets from, from that perspective. Yeah. To roll out online to, to, stores? To, to roll out online stores. Through demandware, through, a, yeah, through in, an interface specifically in that currency and uh, language? In, in, in that currency, um, not necessarily in that language, um, because the, the, the language side can be quite complex and quite expensive. Um, I think Google have, I think it's 201 languages. 
which they think covers about 99% of the population. Um, but, you know, English is still the most widely spoken language in the world because it's the second language in so many countries. So, uh, you know, we, we found in, in markets like um, Hong Kong and Singapore, you know, you, you can you can build a pretty reasonable business uh, just, just just through English language websites. Um, you know, in, in some other markets, you're clearly going to have to go into translation. But uh, what we've actually found is the most important thing is the product descriptions. Uh, and, and uh, you know, even with English, there's multiple versions of English. <laughs> yeah. So we found uh, as we've grown in the U.S., uh, you know, so many of the Australian product descriptions just do not translate at all. You know, if I give you an example, we, we launched this week on Amazon in the U.S. We, we launched our kids' business and, uh, you know, buggy suits are one of our top sellers. But that means nothing in the U.S. They, they actually call that one piece. So last week there were five million Google searches for one piece and there were zero for buggy suit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, it's it's it, you know it's 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 more than just should you translate into a foreign language. It, it's it, you know, the starting point is are your product descriptions appropriate to the market and will they drive your search optimization? So we've actually found a bigger prize of optimizing product descriptions you know, in, in, in countries where English is either the primary or secondary language. The the you know the translation stuff is actually quite complex. Um, and you know we're experimenting with how much do you need to translate? You know how much do people actually just buy on pictures, um, as opposed to the cost of you know, particularly with someone like us where we have a wide range of products that changes very quickly and 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 they're and they're quite good value, and the translation costs can actually be very material to the overall profitability of the business. Mm. So that's a massive amount of content to be managing. Yeah. Across how many interfaces do you have now? So we've we've got um, eleven different websites at at the moment. Yeah. Um, across uh, across the brands, uh, and of those eleven, they serve seven different countries. Mm. And so, how has the back end of that, you know, and I'm, and I'm talking human capital here. Um, <laughs> how what have you had to do to keep up with that in terms of growing the team? Or yeah, so I mean, we've 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 had to grow the team across the board. And um, you know, I guess the other bit of advice I would give people with the wisdom of hindsight is um, it's worth trying to think through both your organizational structure and your IT infrastructure um, before you embark on a big global rollout. Uh, and you know, we're, we're actually wrestling a little bit right now with um, you know, what resource should sit within brands, what should sit within a central team, what, and actually as we get bigger in the markets, what resource should we actually migrate into the market to be closer to the customer? Um, and, and, and similarly, have we you know built the IT infrastructure so we can simplify the back end as much as possible? Yeah. Um, things like product information become really really important uh, as you expand. Into Do you have a warehouse? Do you have a product data warehouse? Uh, we <laughs> it depends who you talk to. <laughs> <laughs> we we have lots of product information all around the business, but we 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 don't have a kind of centralized product information system. Um, and you know, frankly, when when we when we were just domestic and and just all English language, we didn't really need it. Um, but you know, as as we you know start selling on, on marketplaces like Amazon, they've got very specific requirements around product information. Uh, and as you start to translate, uh, you know, so you you end up with actually a real world of complexity. You end up with you know, as I touched on earlier, even um, different descriptions for different versions of the same language, plus different languages. Plus, you know, people like Tmall and Amazon, you know, the, the, the information they require can be, you know, down to the, the length of the cuff, you know, and the, the, the dimensions of the button um, on, on the garment, you know, so that whole world kind of explodes. So Right down um, to the smallest detail of the garment. A, a, absolutely. Mm. And it can be really important in terms of making sure your products are actually 
categorized correctly and, and actually found by the customer. You know, so there's good business reasons to, to, to do it. Um, but that, but that definitely kind of gives a bit of an explosion of complexity, um, mm. you know, which, which, which you, you kind of need to think about how are you going to address that in a way that doesn't just require you to add tons and tons of people to the process. Mm. How do you, so how do you do it if it's not tons and tons of people in the process? Yeah, well, at, at the moment we're, we're, we're using some external third party people to enhance our information. Um, we, we are planning to make an investment in product information, but uh, my view is that, um, you know, without the experience of having launched on some of the marketplaces and done some translated websites, we wouldn't necessarily be clear about what we wanted. Um, you know, so we made a conscious decision to say, well, you know, let's actually go and learn uh, and, you know, and just get some external translation help, uh, you know, to, to transpose our information in, in, the right, in the right areas. And then once we've done that, we can kind of come back and say, okay, you know, now we understand what the requirements are and let's sit down and figure out what we need to build. Mm. So there's a bit of um, that testing before you actually decide yeah. whether or not it's something that you need to, to bring in-house or not. Yeah. Um, so, that, so that graduated approach just in general, how is it that you use that throughout the business in other ways? Oh, I think it's a, it's a kind of core philosophy of our business, actually. Um, we, we do a lot of work with a, with a man called Jim Collins, who's a, quite a famous business guru. And uh, one, one of his quotes is, um, fire bullets before cannonballs. Um, and, you know, and by bullets, he means kind of, you know, controlled experiments, you know, to, to, to figure out what's going to work and what's not going to work. And then you kind of kill the ones that don't work and then you go big on the ones that do work. So that's kind of a core philosophy for us. Because uh, if you look at the business, um, you know, over the last, you know, it's 25 years old, the first 16 years was actually a tale of a domestic retailer mm. that grew to 100 stores. Mm. Yeah, the last nine years has been the growth from 100 to 1,460 stores in 17 countries. Um, mm. But but that has all actually been around, you know, let's place a few controlled bets in some of those countries. Um, you know, most of them have worked, which is great. Um, you know, we have um, one country that we exited from, um, but, uh, you know, it's very much the kind of philosophy of the business is, you know, rather than sitting there trying to strategize about what may or might, may not work, get in, try it, learn, and then, you know, if it looks like it's, it, it's the right thing for us, then go big on it quickly. Mm. So you've mentioned Amazon a couple of times as a, as a marketplace. Uh, how, how, how recently did you get into that? Uh, the day before yesterday. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> so um, how, how did you arrive to getting there? Yeah, so a couple of things. I mean, one is, you know, I don't think you can ignore what's going on with marketplaces. Um, you know, if you just add together Amazon and Tmall, they have three quarters of a billion active customers. Um, and, you know, in the US, Amazon had 51% of all the incremental online growth in the last year. Which is phenomenal. Yeah, which is absolutely phenomenal. Um, you know, so, so uh, you know, I don't think you, you can ignore them. Um, for us in the US, um, you know, we're relatively small. Um, by by US scale, um, and we we only have one warehouse on the west coast, uh, in a world where you know Amazon has trained everybody who's an Amazon Prime member to expect two day delivery. So so to us it was really a, 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 about a number of things. One 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 is we felt um, you know if we used if we went on the Amazon platform we access three hundred million customers, which is a lot more than we have on our on our database at the moment. And the second one is we felt it would, it would give a better logistics experience for people who were, you know, not within one or two days of our, of our West Coast distribution facility. And, and, and the third was actually, we felt it would give us a bit of a helpful heat map to, uh, to, to underpin our store expansion strategy. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and so it was really about kind of building brand awareness. And, and, and we also, you know, we believe we would and, and we have learned a lot about, you know, everything from product information to, 
you know how they run their logistics systems and how they do customer service. You know, it, you know, we're talking about a you know a kind of world leader. Uh, you know, we, we felt we would learn things from them, which which we have done, and I think we'll continue to do so. Yeah, and so the investment to get into Amazon as a marketplace from a business perspective, it's that's been product data, um, you know, rejigging systems. In terms of the financial outcomes, I guess it's a bit early to say, but you've done you've obviously done some modelling on what that might look like. Yeah, I mean, look, um, mar- marketplaces are relatively expensive ways to get to the customer. Um, you know, but but you know, we we think there's a bunch of strategic reasons, um, as I outlined earlier, um, and you know, we're not necessarily seeing marketplaces as we will always continue to do them forever. Yeah, um, you know, so this is actually one of those bullets that we talked about earlier. Yeah, uh, and and you know, we have actually got a relatively low cost route in there. Uh, you know, we've been working with them, um, with Channel Advisor, who've already built integration to these marketplaces. So by us just building an integration with them. That enables us to easily plug in, you know, half a dozen marketplaces around the world, uh, rather than us spend lots of money doing deep integration into each individual marketplace. So, just another example of you know how to kind of think a bit more nimbly about do it once, but be able to you know fire lots of bullets off the back of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if we find one of those that works really well for us, then you know we can we, we can go big on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know we're, we're deliberately testing it in in you know in the market just with one of our brands at the moment. Uh, you know if it works well with kids, then you know we we think. Um, you know, the financial model tells us that it should work well across uh, our adults' business, um, our cotton on body accessories business as well. Mm. So, just looking ahead, then um, things are changing really rapidly. They're always changing digital. You never stand still. You're never done. What What other things are you looking for? What's next on the horizon? Uh, for us, it's 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 actually all about um, you know how we start to take a leadership position on customer experience. Um, you know, we, we, we think we're very much evolving from, from a world of you know, retailers selling products to actually what we need to do is, is build brands that customers love. And, and, you know, digital is at the core of that you know, in terms of both, you know, how do you kind of build the communities, but then, you know, how do you also deliver the right, the, the right seamless experiences across all channels? And, you know, so, so really everything from, you know, how we continuously upgrade our, our, our customer experience to how we better integrate and how we leverage the fact, you know, that... Um, social shopping is going to become you know a more more and more important experience. Uh, you know how 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 we think about user generated content. Um, you know is a different sort of way to, to to actually build the brand and product reviews. How, how we think about customer service being you know a positive integrated part of the journey. So uh, you know we've kind of been in there. You know, let's play catch up. Let's fix the basics. Um, and then you know we're 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 just starting to move into the phase of okay how, how do we actually differentiate in this space? Mm, yeah. So it sounds like some fun times ahead, and I guess I'm guessing that you're still expanding globally as all of that playing catch up happens in the background as well. Yeah, I mean, I think we're planning to open over 200 more stores this year. Um, you know, we're we're kind of pretty much every year we open a, a new country or two on the way. Um, but you know, the the, the, the big the, the big focuses for us, uh, you know, at, at a kind of group level are um, the the USA as a market and and, and ecom, you know, as 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 a significant enabler of growth across all, all markets, all brands. Yeah. So going into those new markets with stores and online at the same time. Yeah. No, so it's, it, it, this is interesting. Actually, we we just opened um, the UK as our first online only entry. Um, so we we launched Typo in the UK a, a couple of months ago, um, and 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 I think what we've learned from that is actually you know you can build a reasonably successful business quite quickly um, just purely doing online, uh, but 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 equally uh, 
you know, we think bricks and clicks together works better every time. Uh, you know, so for us, you know, our historic model has been we'll go in with stores, and uh, you know, as I said earlier, we've been kind of playing catch up with online. Um, uh, you know, I, I think our conclusion is if we do them both together, it's it's both the most effective, and it also actually lowers the um, the cost of entry in terms of the investment requirements. Because you know, we we did have a model that we say yeah, you build a DC, put some stock in the market, and you probably need about ten stores for that to actually make you know make sense. Um, but if we go in with you know, online plus stores, uh, you can make that work with a much smaller number of stores, mm-hmm. um, and and you know you're you're building the brand and and, and engaging your customers kind of from, from from day one. So mm-hmm. uh, you know we we definitely look to bring those together for for new markets. Yeah, fantastic. So I love a bit of Jim Collins. So thank you for reminding us to shoot our bullets before we shoot our cannons and um, how important that is, particularly when you're looking to go overseas and finding smart ways to get in there first before, you know, throwing everything at it and um, making sure that you've done your research, finding, you know, experimenting through marketplaces, finding the right partners to actually help you get there as well, really looking at your customer acquisition costs to, to get in there in the first place. I think that was very insightful to sort of, and you can do that research you know, from your desktop to the, tomorrow, you know. Absolutely. So, yeah. So thank you so much for your time, Brendan. Not at all. all Thanks, the best. Good Thanks. to see you. Thanks for listening. If you've loved what you've heard today, make sure you're subscribed at onlineretailer.com.au to be the first to know about Australia's best e-commerce events.